the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. TGIF, happy Hanukkah, and welcome. Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710-KNUS. Great to be with you today when we open up the phones here in a bit. The number, of course, is 303-696-1971. You can also text into the show on the 710-KNUS app on your smartphone. Name in town, name in town. If you wish to text in, please. You can also email me, 247-365-710KNUS.com. Just go to the Jimmy Sangenberger Show page. Of course, that's for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning from 6 to 9. Again, here on 710KNUS. Plus, there's my website, JimmySangenberger.com. Of course, there's no A, I, or U in Sangenberger. It's all E's all the time. Once you know that, Sangenberger is easy. So, multiple ways to get in touch with yours truly. So, last night, Hanukkah began. The Festival of Lights, December 7th. Two months to the day after Hamas's brutal attack on Israel. A day that in itself will live for will live in infamy. And the atrocities that we saw was the biggest attack on Jews since the Holocaust. And that was a travesty in and of itself. What we have seen since then is also a travesty, not to the same level, but in a way that is deeply disturbing and should be deeply disturbing to the hearts of all Americans. And that is the rise in anti-Semitism and, let's just be real here, pro-Hamas sentiment. Just as one example, in our own country, in Philadelphia, outside of a Jewish-owned deli, Earlier this week. The a mass crowd outside of a restaurant in Philadelphia because it's owned by an Israeli Jew. Then, of course, there's college campuses where we have seen rampant anti-Semitism that has been spreading widely. And earlier this week, we heard testimony from a few presidents of universities, major Ivy League universities, including Harvard president Claudine Gay. Here is a sample of her exchange with New York Congresswoman Elise Stefanik. A Harvard student calling for the mass murder of African Americans is not protected free speech at Harvard, correct? Our commitment to it's free speech... It's a yes or no question. Is that corrected? Is that okay for students to call for the mass murder of African Americans at Harvard? Is that protected free speech? 
our commitment to free speech. It's a yes or no question. Let me ask you this. You are president of Harvard, so I assume you're familiar with the term intifada, correct? I've heard that term, yes. And you understand that the use of the term intifada in the context of the Israeli-Arab conflict is indeed a call for violent armed resistance against the state of Israel, including violence against civilians and the genocide of Jews. Are you aware of that? That type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. And there have been multiple marches at Harvard with students chanting, quote, there is only one solution, intifada revolution, and, quote, globalize the intifada. Is that correct? I've heard that thoughtless, reckless, and hateful language on our campus, yes. So based upon your testimony, you understand that this call for intifada is to commit genocide against the Jewish people in Israel and globally, correct? I will say again, that type of hateful speech is personally abhorrent to me. Do you believe that type of hateful speech? And it goes on and on. No answers, no condemnation. It was bad enough that, and we'll hear a little bit of this in a few moments, but that another university president, the president of the University of Pennsylvania, Liz McGill, backpedaled on her own congressional testimony, which was similarly vapid. One university, though, that is an exception to what tragically seems like the rule among college campuses across the country is right here in Colorado. Colorado Christian University, which hosted CCU for Israel earlier this week, a tremendous dinner event and prayer vigil after that that brought together Christian and Jewish leaders and raised a lot of money for United Hatzalah, an ambulance group that saves lives. Think of it like an Uber for Israel, uh, for Israeli EMTs. They get there within three minutes. It is remarkable. When Hamas attacked, they went in to the fray while people were fleeing the fray. There's a new op-ed out today at foxnews.com. There's at least one university that stands with Israel is the title of the piece. Its author, Dr. Donald Sweeting, chancellor at Colorado Christian University, who, along with Jeff Hunt of the Centennial Institute and others, put together the event earlier this week on Tuesday, and he joins me now. Dr. Sweeting, welcome back to KNUS. Great to be with you, Jimmy. Let me just jump right in. We played some clips You heard him. You know what's been going on in college campuses across the country. You've written about it. What is actually happening here? Uh, I I was so flabbergasted by the statements that the the president's made. I had to read the article twice to make sure I I understood it. I mean, it's the it's the fruit of of what's been we've been sowing in a lot of universities for for many years. Uh, Moral relativism. So we can't make outright statements. Um, uh, you know, we don't teach character, uh, but then you have the commitment to certain ideologies where uh, the oppressor and the oppressed are clearly defined in neo-Marxist terms. And of course, the Jews are thrown in the category of being the oppressor and uh, and and then not teaching history. I mean, it all it's a stew that's boiled together and the fruit is really, really bad. Now, one thing when you hear these this, these 
chatterboxes about colonialism. And I, I talk about this with uh, my friend Rabbi Jonathan Hausman out of Stoughton, Massachusetts, who will be joining me in the first hour of my show tomorrow morning. But the, the point that we ha- he and I had discussed is if you actually – right now we're – it's the beginning of Hanukkah, day two. And yeah. what is Hanukkah about? Twenty nearly twenty two hundred years ago, the Jews recaptured Jerusalem. How are they colonizers in the twentieth and twenty first centuries when they recaptured Jerusalem twenty two hundred years ago, Doctor Don Sweeting? Yeah, and th- there's been an attempt to really to to destroy the Jews throughout history. I mean, this is one of the mysteries and uh, of, of history, and and this is one reason why the state of Israel is so important. It's a it's a protectorate of the Jews today. And uh, this, I mean, what, what really struck me about the, the president's uh, answer was, first of all, they couldn't clearly say, uh, condemn, you know, the, the speech uh, and, and use it as a time of moral instruction. But they've got all kinds of, of um, penalties for using the wrong kind of speech and the wrong kind of pronouns. Uh, so the, the hypocrisy and the selectivity of this makes it really look like they're they, there's an anti-Semitism at work on on these campuses, and that's where I think the tie to uh, these ideologies is is there. And of course, there's also I think a naivety about radical Islam as well. Oh, without a doubt. Um, and when we look at what's happening on college campuses, it, it is staggering and deeply disturbing. Which is why having sort of refuges like Colorado Christian University is such a, a tragic breath of fresh air and i say tragic because it shouldn't be few campuses like ccu doing these things these events and pronouncements and so forth that are supporting israel and the jewish people but alas that's where we are so tuesday there was a tremendous event that you all put on i was glad to be able to be there at the dinner ccu for israel by the way jeff hunt on frontier freedom hour at 1 p.m this sunday i understand we'll be playing some extra excerpts of the various speeches that were given at the dinner. So that's tremendous. We'll we'll talk about why CCU did this in a moment, but what'd you think of the event? Oh, it was, it was extraordinary. And we, we didn't plan it to be on the same day that that this congressional hearing was taking place. That's the, you know, and people, I mean, confidence of in higher education is dropping dramatically anyway, but, but the response of colleges to, to the October 7th, and then this, uh, did nothing to help uh, people's confidence in higher education. So we were just glad to be um, a place where Jews could come and and talk and feel supported. And they had a platform. We had a platform. We tried to uh, express solidarity and we tried to raise some money to actually help and just go beyond the many statements that we've made. We, we I can't tell you how much we raised, but we raised a ton of money that's going directly to United Hatzalah. And if people still want to uh, be a part of this, they can go to ccuforisrael.com and uh, and continue. It's a real important effort. Yeah, it was remarkable, especially because there was a match for up to $500,000 from a very generous donor. Uh, truly incredible. So let's talk for a moment, because this is not just about the event on Tuesday, but it's much more about why CCU is doing 
these uh, yeah. taking these stands, but also why college campuses and, and folks of all different organizations and institutions should be taking similar stands. And you walk through the reasoning behind why this conservative evangelical Christian university put on this event. And I want to take step by step the reasons and go through the first one. You talk in your piece for FoxNews.com, Dr. Don Sweeting, about the moral reason. What is the moral reason? Well, that's where we start. I mean, you know, that, that uh, there's a genocidal campaign against Israel, uh, uh, and this is an evil campaign. And the chant to free Palestine from the river to the sea is actually a chant to wipe Israel off the map. And, um, and this is Jew hatred at its worst, not to mention what Hamas did to the Palestinian people and Palestinian Christians, which was also evil. So, we, you know, just as, as human beings, we, we just say this is not right. We want to stand for Israel, and we want to stand very clearly against that. That's the, that's the moral grounds that we yeah. replied on. When we, we started talking about this on October 8th, Jimmy. Yes. Well, you have to confront evil, and certainly Christians are called to confront evil. Let's go to the second reason, though. You write, we are driven by what I call a conventional reason. Co- covenantal. Covenantal. Yeah, um, that's how you pronounce it. There you go. That's a Bible term. I mean, you know, Colorado Christian University, we're, you said we're conservative evangelicals. We are. We're Bible people. And, and we acknowledge God's unique uh, covenant with Israel in the past and the special place of the Jews in his plan and history. And they have been a light to the Gentile world. And uh, we, we're, we're so grateful for that. So, so um, we have a special love for Israel and for the Jewish people. And third, all Christians have a debt to Jews and Judaism, which we have not sufficiently acknowledged through yeah. the centuries. And you really talk about the Jewish roots of the Christian faith. Expand on that one. Well, you know, unfortunately, there's been a, a great deal of, of, of misguided anti-Semitism coming from the Church in the Middle Ages and, and beyond. And um, I think a lot of that is because the Church forgot its debt to the Jews. Uh, you know, I mean, think of it. Most of our Bible is the Hebrew Scriptures, um, the Law of Moses, the Ten Commandments, the Great Commandment, the Idea of Covenant. The, the hymn book of the Church is the same hymn book that it was the hymn book of Israel, uh, the same wisdom literature. Without the Jews, there's no Church, no Mary, no Joseph, no Jesus. By the way, there's no Christmas. <laughs> so <laughs> um, I think Christians forget that, and, and they can't. Uh, we have to remember what we owe to the Jewish people. As we look big picture here, this really comes down, I think, to, and and you touched on this, a a fundamental battle of good versus evil. And it is an eternal battle that we all face, that we all witness. But it is shocking when you see it on display to this extent, where you see Hamas brutally and barbarically slaughter and kidnap and rape innocent people and in terms of those rapes the accounts of what was actually done systematically just pure evil and yet we have people in our own country that are essentially carrying water for them and refusing to stand with israel and the jewish people when you look big picture how do you view this and what can we all do together to push back against it well, it's the fruit of many years of, of being um, 
either uh, confused morally as as universities or silent, where we just we back away from ethics and moral values and the talk of good and evil, and then we replace it with uh, ideologies like a neo-Marxist ideology, where power can do what it what it wants to do. I mean, what do we do? Um, well, we we don't support those places and schools that are pushing this stuff. They're, they're not giving a good education. I don't care what their reputation is. The, a lot of the, the Ivy League schools have become poison Ivy League schools. Uh, and you support schools that are doing a great job in offering a sane, substantive education and aren't corrupted by woke ideologies and steeped in neo-Marxism and all the rest. I like that phrase, poison Ivy League schools. It is clearly true with the poisoning of minds. I mean, I'm reading here, so at least Stefanik, Congresswoman who grilled in that clip, Claudine Gay, the president of Harvard, at least Stefanik is a Harvard alum herself, and she writes in the yeah. Wall Street Journal uh, yesterday or today, what constitutes bullying and harassment at Harvard? A mandatory Title IX training last year warned all undergraduate students that cisheterosexism, <laughs> try that word five times fast, fat phobia, and using yeah. the wrong pronouns qualified as abuse and perpetuated violence on campus. And yet, Claudine Gay, you heard a little bit in the clip a few moments ago, and she's also talking about it depends on the context. And, and then she goes on also to detail other instances of violations of free speech that happen frequently on Harvard. It is just astonishing, Dr. Sweeting, that when we see college campuses like Harvard, these poison Ivy League schools, when they have uh, they address their issues of concern, that's OK. But, oh, the anti-Semitism, that's free speech. Mm -hmm. That's right. And I, I think there's a confusion about free speech. So, you know, freedom and free speech are important, but they're not an absolute. There's a higher value. And, you know, I'll just go to our Declaration of Independence, you know, life, liberty and the pursuit of happiness. Before that are the words that, you know, these are gifts endowed by our creator. Uh, and I think this was a right time where the president should have said, look, we affirm the dignity of the Jewish people, and this violates their human dignity, and therefore it is wrong. And that's why we don't allow this to, to go on. And that's why we condemn it. And that's why we'll discipline our students if they, if they uh, uh, you know, are propagating this stuff. Yeah, uh, striking and sad. Uh, I, I, at some point there is, and we heard Rabbi Goldberg talk about this. There are no words. You end up speechless when you ponder what is going on and the extent of it. And that is probably the most heartbreaking aspect of all of this. Dr. Don Sweeting, Chancellor of Colorado Christian University. Always a pleasure, sir. Thanks for taking some time today and for doing great work putting on the event at CCU on Tuesday. Thanks uh, for the privilege of speaking to you. CCU for Israel. Dot com. And I'm looking here from there. The donation link to United Hatzalah has raised, and this is just online, setting aside the higher dollar check donations, nearly $91,000. Incredible. Thank you so much. Well, it's, it's, it's much more than that. Yeah. I know it is. Thank you. I know it is from all the checks that have come in as well. So I appreciate it. Dr. Don Sweeting joining us again, Chancellor at CCU. We're going to take a break. What are your thoughts? 303-696-1971. Lots more coming up ahead on the hour 
Here on News Talk 710 KNUS, I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Sometimes, folks, you just gotta let the best Christmas bumper music known to man breathe a little bit. Especially when it's a Friday. Little Keb Moe doing his tune, Santa Claus, Santa Claus. Gotta love it. As we continue, News Talk 710 KNUS, Jimmy Sangenberger here with ya. Back in the saddle tomorrow morning from 6 to 9 as well. Joined by Rabbi Jonathan Hausman and by Matt Crane, the executive director of the Colorado County Clerks Association, who will be coming by the studio in the morning. Looking forward to seeing Matt about a new letter that was sent to elected officials across the state from the Colorado County Clerks Association and their executive board about some of the criticisms and attacks on Colorado's election system. It'll be a good conversation tomorrow when he joins me in studio. I want to play one more thing relative to this discussion we had about college campuses with Dr. Don Sweeting of Colorado Christian University, the chancellor there, in the last segment. At UPenn, University of Pennsylvania, the president, Liz McGill, backpedaled on her congressional testimony this past Tuesday where she was one of three Ivy League presidents to speak before Congress and spew some nonsense. And then at the heat, I mean, there's now a top donor who's threatening to rescind $100 million unless she is ousted guy by the name of Ross Stevens, founder and CEO of the Stone Ridge Holdings Group, a financial services firm, said he was going to cancel $100 million of Stone Ridge shares held by the university if it doesn't replace President Liz McGill. And here is President McGill just yesterday. There was a moment during yesterday's congressional hearing on anti-Semitism when I was asked if a call for the genocide of Jewish people on our campus would violate our policies. In that moment, I was focused on our university's longstanding policies aligned with the U.S. Constitution, which say that speech alone is not punishable. I was not focused on, but I should have been, the irrefutable fact that a call for genocide of Jewish people is a call for some of the most terrible violence human beings can perpetrate. It's evil, plain and simple. I want to be clear. A call for genocide of Jewish people is threatening, deeply so. It is intentionally meant to terrify a people who have been subjected to pogroms and hatred for centuries and were the victims of mass genocide in the Holocaust. In my view, it would be harassment or intimidation. Notice that excuse in the beginning. Oh, I I wasn't thinking about anti-Semitism at a congressional hearing about anti-Semitism on college campuses. I was thinking about free speech and the constitutional notions of, of free speech. This is what we call damage control because... Your university is on the verge of losing $100 million in precious money 
because of you and your failures. Guess what? You should be fired. You shouldn't be allowed to stay there anymore. I mean, it's just absurd. And then talking about free speech. As Congresswoman Elise Stefanik writes in the Wall Street Journal, where was Harvard's concern for free speech when it disinvited feminist philosopher Devin Buckley from a colloquium on campus last year because of her views on transgender issues? Where was its concern for free speech in 2020 when it revoked conservative activist Kyle Kashuv's acceptance because of social media posts he made as a 16-year-old? Remember that? Remember when he was supposed to go to Harvard and they said, nope, you're not allowed. Or in 2017, when it revoked admission for 10 incoming freshmen who shared offensive memes on Facebook. Apparently the same outrage doesn't apply to students sharing anti-Semitic memes on Slack today, as Bill Ackman noted in his letter to Harvard last month. And then she goes on to talk about the festering anti-Semitism that has been going on for years. It's nothing new post-October 7th. And guess what? The anti-Semitism that we are seeing on college campuses is part and parcel of diversity, equity, and inclusion. DEI. They essentially institutionalize anti-Semitism institutionalize it come on those programs need to go DEI it's a sham astonishing we'll talk a little bit more about this tomorrow morning fun conversation up ahead with Rabbi Jonathan Hausman of Stoughton Massachusetts in the first hour of the Jimmy Sangenberger show that's 6 to 9 a.m. every Saturday So, breaking news within the last hour, former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy is endorsing former President Donald Trump in 2024 and said he'd be willing to serve in a cabinet role, quote, if I'm the best person for the job. According to Axios, McCarthy told CBS Sunday Morning that he and Trump are very honest with one another. McCarthy said if President Biden is the Democratic nominee, he expects Trump to be the GOP nominee and predicted Republicans will gain House seats and win back the Senate. Now, I find that a little odd with all the Republicans that are leaving Congress. Patrick McHenry, as another example, totally understand Speaker McCarthy, you're going to fill out this year and you're not going to you're going to leave because you become speaker of the house and then you're no longer a speaker, you're just a backbencher. You don't even have a committee chairmanship. What use is there being in Congress anymore? Like you've you've sort of you reach the pinnacle and then you drop from there, so of course you're going to get out. But I mean you got Ken Buck leaving the House. I mentioned Patrick McHenry. You've got several other notable Republicans that are leaving the House. A lot of times that happens when you're expecting a shellacking. So it's just interesting the political dynamics there. But McCarthy is predicting Trump gets the nomination and he's saying he supports him and he's open for a cabinet job. What do you make of that? 
the endorsement by former House Speaker Kevin McCarthy. Will it make a difference? Does it indicate that Donald Trump is on the verge of cleaning this thing up, even though both Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis had solid debate performances on Wednesday night and also are doing fairly well in the polls for individual states. They're still trailing Trump. But, you know, I'm of the mind that this thing is more wide open than you think. I don't believe that it is sewed up for Trump. Is he more likely to be the nominee than the others? Yes. But is it sewed up? I don't think so yet. I think it is actually too soon to tell. The other interesting thing is what's going on with debates. So the RNC set up for four debates, the Republican National Committee, and they had a requirement that if you're participating in RNC debates, you can't participate in unsanctioned debates. Well, those debates are over. So both Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley have said yes, I believe both of them have, to debates for hosted by CNN that are now being scheduled for just before the Iowa caucuses and just before the New Hampshire primary. Now, it looks like, based on the criteria, that Vivek Ramaswamy and Chris Christie will not be eligible for these debates. And Ron DeSantis may not even be eligible. I I don't understand exactly the calculus for their requirements, but I have to imagine that they're going to lower the criteria a little bit if that's the case, whatever that criteria is, so that you don't have a Nikki Haley town hall twice, but you have a debate like having Ron DeSantis and Nikki Haley square off against each other toe to toe I think would be very good good to see especially before those primaries and caucuses would be nice for Trump to come on in there and see how that goes but at the very least see those two duke it out for number two place in this process and to show that they have the chops if Voters decide against Trump in the primary. We'll see. You know, what's interesting, too, is the Democrats canceled their New Hampshire primary. And I believe not only independents, but Democrats can vote in the Republican primary. So that could shake things up in New Hampshire. And in Florida, the Democrats also canceled the primary there. What do you make of all of this? And Kevin McCarthy endorsing Donald Trump after leaving the speakership and announcing that while being voted out the speakership and then announcing, hey, you know what? Uh, I'm out. Peace. I'm leaving the House at the end of this year. 303-696-1971 is our telephone number if you'd like to join in to the festivities. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Keep it right here. We'll pick up the conversation on the other side on News Talk 710 KNUS. Wrapping up and winding down, Jimmy Sangenberger here with you. News Talk 710 KNUS final segment. It's supposed to snow tonight, although I'm looking here at a forecast via Google, and it just says 7 p.m. to 1 a.m. You got 55% chance at the high of snow. So maybe we won't really get snow. They were wrong a couple weeks ago. Remember, we were supposed to get several inches and didn't happen? I won't complain coming in early in the morning tomorrow for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show, 6 to 9. If uh, 
if there's not much snow that I'm waking up to. So that would be nice to not deal with it so much. But I do want a white Christmas. Come on now. Come on. Let's bring out that white Christmas. And I always love uh, some of the Amy Grant Christmas tunes, like her version of Sleigh Ride bringing us back, especially on a wintry day like today. Our telephone number, if you want to join into the festivities in our remaining minutes, 303-696-1971. A heads up that my column for the Denver Gazette today is entitled The Border Crisis Hits Home in Denver. Log on denvergazette.com and check it out from the columns page. We talked a lot about this yesterday with John Fabricatori, former field director at ICE, who joined us. He's also running for the 6th Congressional District against Jason Crow. But he joined us yesterday as he was traveling back home from Lukeville, Arizona, where the border is beyond porous. It is astonishing what's going on. And and I quote him in today's column from our conversation. And uh, actually, it wasn't yesterday, rather, it was Wednesday that I conversed with Mr. Fabricatory. But there is new news as we keep breaking records at the southern border for the influx of illegal immigrants across the border. Take a listen. Fox News just yesterday. And uh, it's what we've seen the last few years, Larry. We set the record in 2021. Then we set the new record in 2022. Then we set the new record in 2023. Now we're in fiscal year 2024. We're two months into the new fiscal year. We've already had more than 530,000 migrant encounters, more than half a million people in two months. So we are on pace to set a new record again if this keeps up through the rest of the fiscal year. A new record again, record after record after record. And here we are with no border funding provided still up until this point. Republicans holding ground saying no more Ukraine funding unless we get border security funding. Now, I do think that we need to provide more funding for Ukraine, and I want to see that passed, and it's two separate issues. I don't have a problem, though, with tying them together insofar as it's a chief Republican priority. The Democrats very much, and a lot of Republicans too, very much want to provide additional funding for Ukraine. But our security at the border is paramount. We need to do that. Where is it? Where is this funding? And in Denver, in Denver, we are being hit hard by the immigration crisis, the border. I mean, the city has spent nearly $34 million so far, including city-subsidized shelters and long-term hotel stays. The federal and state governments picking up less than half of that tab in reimbursements. And then, of course, there's burdens on the education system and Denver public schools and surrounding areas. You've got burgeoning homelessness. And Mayor Johnston says, hey, I want to house 1,000 homeless residents. But that's clashing up against his commitment to shelter migrants. And he's kicking homeless people out of where they're staying. And he's kicking migrants out of where they're staying. The Aurora City Council isn't informed about... 
plans to move migrants to a hotel in Aurora where if after their stay for 14 days or however long they're kicked out onto the streets, then it's Aurora's problem to address. It reminds me of when Taylor Swift performed here. Remember, homeless Denverites were displaced to make room for concert goers. Do you remember that? They were being kicked out. Oh, Taylor's here. You got to go until these people who are here for the heiress tour of the now time person of the year, Taylor Swift, until they're gone, you're out. Only this time, it's a wider, more severe pattern of swapping homeless Coloradans with migrants. And and by the way, let's be real. It raises serious ethical concerns, and none of this is helping. And it's flatly unsustainable. As I write in the Gazette today, neither homeless Coloradans nor migrants deserve to be jerked around so Denver's mayor can pursue an impractical promise to swiftly end homelessness, especially, by the way, during the wintertime when you're going to freeze. The resources are being stretched thin. Fentanyl deaths are skyrocketing. In fact, it is the number one cause of death among younger adults under the age of 40, fentanyl. The death rate for accidental overdoses 33% higher since 2019. And it's tied into the southern border because the materials for fentanyl are brought in from China into Mexico and then put together in Mexico and then brought across the U.S. southern border. Meanwhile, Congress, again, is asleep at the wheel or refusing to provide additional funding, leaving local officials and, frankly, citizens and and illegal immigrants as well in the lurch to deal with the consequences. We need more money for the border security, give the federal authorities more tools that they need to do their job, address the backlogged asylum system, because they come across the border, they get picked up by Border Patrol, they get processed, and then they're let out pending an asylum hearing that could take months, even years, to happen. And and also, of course, don't forget, Denver is a sanctuary city, the kind of status that attracts illegal immigrants who are wary of deportation. And so you have Republicans like Governor Greg Abbott who are saying, I want to score some political points against these sanctuary cities, so I'm going to bust illegal immigrants from Texas on to Colorado. By the way, 7,800 illegal immigrants at least have come up being bussed from Texas. And that's somewhat political. It's also some organizations down there that are supposedly helping the migrants who were bussing people around the country. And then you're seeing there's some video that I've seen where uh, an illegal from Morocco is saying, oh, yeah, it cost me $7,000 to get here, and I don't care about the burden on Americans that I'm going to bring. What? And Morocco, by the way, they're not simply coming from South America. Look, uh, there's a lot of talk. We need to be compassionate, especially at Christmas time. We need to be compassionate. 
for those migrants who are coming here who've risked it all. And I understand the desire for compassion, especially at the holidays. But guess what? There are real world limits to compassion. The compassion that we can exhibit, that we have the wherewithal to exhibit through public policy and social organizations. No matter how profoundly we yearn to show compassion, Congress needs to act. The cities needs to act. The state needs to act. Otherwise, the situation is just going to deteriorate. We're going to see these repercussions happen worse and worse, more and more. It's astonishing. Deeply concerning. And I guess what? I don't think there's the political will to do anything about it. Anything meaningful, anything substantial at this point in time. You get a Republican in there, maybe that will change. But right now, it's going to continue along this path. I'm Jimmy Sangenberger. Thanks for being along for the ride with me most of these last several weeks here at 3 p.m. Tomorrow morning, be sure to tune in from 6 to 9 for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show. Throughout the rest of the Christmas time, the next few weeks, we will continue to play the best Christmas bumper music known to man, and we will get some holiday classics that we all love in the mix, too, because there are some that I just, I like to play closer to Christmas. We will have Santa Claus coming on on the 23rd. It's a classic that I always do on Saturdays for Christmas. Tomorrow morning, though, I'm joined for the first hour by Rabbi Jonathan Hausman of Stoughton, Massachusetts. One of my favorite guests will be talking about Hanukkah and its message right now at this time with regards to Hamas and their attack on Israel and the supposed colonialism of the Jews is nonsense. And we talk about that. Uh, And also why Hanukkah really is, in his words, a, quote, minor holiday. For the Jewish faith. Plus, Matt Crane, executive director of the Colorado County Clerks Association, will join me in studio tomorrow at 7. Be sure to tune in 6 to 9 for the Jimmy Sangenberger Show every Saturday morning. News Talk 710 KNUS. com. All ease all the time. Merry, Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. And may God bless America. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.